Do you need me to tone it down at all? No, this is perfect. Great. Yeah, no, this is. Um, feel free to cuss. Feel free to whatever. Cool. This cool. is. Yeah, we are not. We're. Right. Yeah, it's my fucking podcast. We can do whatever we want. What? I know. Faden. Cut to exterior. Interior. Restaurant. Bar. Club. Day. Night. Action. Happy New Year, everyone. Happy 2024. This is season 7, 8, 9, 10. One of those on the Restaurant Fiction Show. That is right. My name is Monis Rose. Welcome. Welcome. We're starting this new season, this new year with a bang. What is Restaurant Fiction? Restaurant Fiction reviews fictional restaurants, bars, and clubs in TV and film. We are the crossroads, the intersection between all things food, all things TV, all things film. Well, this special episode is exactly that. It is special. What makes it so special? We are doing a collaboration, a co-mingle, an intersection, if you will, with an amazing food podcast. What is that food podcast, you might ask? It is called Fine Dining, the search for the most mediocre restaurant in America. And the host is none other than a gentleman named Michael Ornelas. Who is Michael? Well, he is the host. And number one, you need to check out his podcast, his show. He combines all things entertainment and comedy, and he has such a unique sense of humor that will make you laugh no matter what. No matter if it is one of his free episodes or his paid episodes on Patreon. I mean, you need to check him out. And we were gracious enough, we were gracious enough to have him on to not only talk more things about his fine dining podcast, but also talk about the probably one of the most mediocre restaurants, fictional restaurants in all of TV and film. And what is that? That is none other than movies. Movies, which is prominently featured in Clerks 2, a part of the Kevin Smith Askewverse, I believe that's called. It was first mentioned in Dogma, and it is a motif, it is a theme, it is an ongoing way of selling merch, of all things Kevin Smith. But we're not talking about Kevin Smith, we are talking about movies. The most fine, mediocre restaurant, fictional restaurant. In America. Here is our conversation with Michael and our little review of the fictional restaurant movies. All right. Everyone out there, Michael, restaurant fiction, we went to a fast food restaurant. We went to a fast food restaurant that combines religion 
and burgers. No, it's not In-N-Out Burger, you would think, because yes, like In-N-Out Burger, uh, In-N-Out Burger, they put a little Bible verse on some of the wrappers, I believe, or some of the uh, drink cartons. It's not Chick-fil-A either. Uh, Chick-fil-A is closed on Sundays. So yeah, two uh, dominant forces in fast food chain world of America. No, we went to movies. We went to movies, which is a fictional New Jersey chain, which anyway... Why is movies a, a religious, say, fast food joint? Well, guys, the fucking mascot is a golden calf. I mean, that is as Bible as Bible goes. Now, with the former, in and out Chick-fil-A, the food is amazing. Yes, we said it. This is not a real restaurant review show. This is a fictional restaurant review show. But so, yes... In our reality, in the real world, we dine. And if we turned off viewers because of that, we're okay with that. So, but as far as movies is concerned, it really seems that these, this whole concept, this whole ideology, if you will, was just a bunch of suits getting together and grabbing some low-hanging fruit to make a quick buck. I mean, their whole slogan is, I'm eating it. I mean, I'm eating it. I, you know, that one of the sandwiches is called the Ega Mubi Muffin. Or no, the better yet, Freedom Fries. Freedom Fries. Now, and I know Freedom Fries was a thing in, uh, you know, 20 years ago or 15 years ago. Uh, but let's just say these Freedom Fries cost more than a buck. So it's not free. Okay. I'm just saying not free at all. Anyway, there are a lot of fictional burger joints out there. There's Big Kahuna Burger. There's Good Burger. There's McDowell's. I mean, there's Mr. Smiley's even. It goes on and on and on. So how does movies fare with those plus the actual real real fast food joints that want to combine religion and burgers? Well, as far as In-N-Out and Chick-fil-A are concerned, I mean, they they do it well. They've been doing it well, and we're going to continue to go there. And if Restaurant Fiction actually turns into a real restaurant review show, we will give them so much credit and we will really put some thought, some TLC into our reviews of Chick-fil-A and In-N-Out Burger. But when it comes to movies, and even though we really want to write something solid, we really want to do justice, we really want to prove to you, to you, that we know what we're talking about, well... Movies is just not worth, or it's not not worth writing about. What's your own actual movies-like food experience? In terms of like, what am I, what am I ordering? Either what, what are you ordering, but also in real life, what is the synonymous real life, either mediocre fast food chain gotcha. that reminds you so much, or where you've had... A true movies experience where the employees really don't give a fuck. Or if you, you want to just talk about uh, Star Wars and Lord of the Rings, go ahead. Or um, if you just want to write a very vulgar email using their internet, yeah, yeah. go ahead. Yes. Okay. Um, at first, I was going to say Chick-fil-A because of the religious tie-in, but big animal mascot, Chuck E. Cheese. Chuck E. Cheese in movies, to me, there there is a connection there. 
I went to a Chuck E. Cheese with my girlfriend and her nephew, and we went up to the front counter to order, like, I don't know, we were like, we'll do the 90 minutes of gaming card or whatever. And her immediate response to us is, you want to do 90 minutes here? (laughs) Like, didn't miss a beat, (laughs) just straight up said that. And then within those 90 minutes, saw some wild things, like a woman... I later found out it was National Breastfeeding Day, and a woman was at, you know, those photo booths where you go, you get your picture taken, was breastfeeding her baby in that setup. And it wasn't like one of the ones with the curtain where you're going for privacy. It was out in the open, and she wasn't doing it necessarily because he was hungry. She was doing it because she wanted the photo of it. Like, she paid for the photos of it. And to me, when Movies is having a donkey show... I'm not comparing breastfeeding to a donkey show, but I am comparing just unabashed clientele. There's a comparison there. Well said. Very (laughs) poignant. Very poignant. Very poignant. Now, what are you eating at movies? It depends on if I'm doing it for my podcast or not. If I'm doing a podcast episode, I'm going for the most ridiculous item, the cow tipper. I'm going for like the giant way too many stacks of different types of meat where the actual promo picture of it is it towering and about to fall over. If I'm going in my personal life, I'm probably just getting an Eggamoobi muffin, something akin to the McMuffin, which is kind of the only thing that gets me to a McDonald's these days. Gotcha. Gotcha. And yeah, and with the um, with your fine dining podcast, the search for the most mediocre restaurant, um, how are you reviewing movies so yeah you go you you go in you order the most ridiculous things are you ordering the whole menu um how do you approach such so it depends on the place i always try to go for signature items something that they're well known for you know you don't go to red lobster and not get seafood if you're trying to review a red lobster right so movies or I guess my typical criteria is the atmosphere, the service, and the food all together. So it's not just what are they like. It's the whole experience. I'm looking for something that is just so utterly inoffensive but not impressive that it's kind of the the perfect middle, the litmus test of good or bad. Anything above it is better. Anything below it is te- or anything above it is technically good, objectively. Anything below it is bad. Currently, it's Applebee's. It's a 5.02 out of 10 in my search. So it's very close. I think with movies, so if I'm going with the atmosphere, again, I told you I like the color scheme, but also there's flash mobs, there's a a donkey show, there's there's a lot of stuff going on in the movies to bring down the experience, I think. Fights between customers, and I'm, I'm going off of Clerks 2, I'm going off of largely the the one Kevin Smith movie that took place primarily at that location. It's probably getting two thumbs down on atmosphere. It's just too chaotic. Uh, if I get a server behind the counter, that's like Randall, probably one or two thumbs down. If I get someone like Elias, maybe a thumb up just depends on how pleasant they are and responsive they are and all that. The food probably breaking even, uh, you know, fast food. It's, it's tasty garbage, basically. You agree, right? Oh, I, actually, I don't know your stance on fast food, but... I feel um, 
the review that you just mentioned is based upon that a lot of movies, uh, the corporate structure, this the C-suite, um, is dead. They were killed, so it's only one woman that is kind of running the show. Yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm just assuming, and I know this is not this is way out there, but I'm just she probably has her hands full. So that's why when you just go on the bootstraps to a regular movies, whether it's an employee or customer facing, you can get away with a lot of shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cor- corporate can't breathe down your neck. They're too busy right. planning some funerals and right. you know, paying out to grieving families and all that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. How do you favor the golden calf mascot? You go and you're like, hmm. I mean, it's pretty in your face. Like, wow, this is a this is a golden calf. Uh, like, is uh, how do you view that when dining at a mediocre fast food restaurant? Here's the thing. I feel if we're going behind the scenes, I feel like the golden calf came first and that's what inspired movies and not the other way around. So given that movies seems to have the self-awareness to bring this thing and be like, idolize this, I can appreciate the audacity of their choice. So I'm not mad at the golden calf. I'm just happy that they're, they're making a statement. So yeah, Golden Calf doesn't bug me. I think it's kind of funny. What about comedy and movies go well together? <sighs> Look at how they're naming. Like, I don't know if you caught this. On the roof of movies, there's an ad for a limited time dessert. And it says, like, end with a with a creamy delight, the cow pie. So you've got both a sexual innuendo and a poop joke in, like, one sentence whether or not it's actually funny, they are certainly trying. So they are a very comedy forward brand. So I feel like there's almost like a slapstickiness to just how overtly they're pursuing the comedic vibe in how, in what they're presenting. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Do you need me to tone it down at all? No, this is perfect. Great. Yeah, no, this is um feel free to cuss, feel free to whatever. Cool, this cool. is yeah, we are not we're right. yeah, it's my fucking podcast. We can do whatever we want. What? I know. Except the F word. Moving on now to really quick to your podcast. Um, how do you pick the mediocre restaurants? Like what what constitutes a mediocre res- a mediocre restaurant? What what constitutes a fine dining mediocre restaurant? Just how do you pick what's your methodology? Well, so you know, it's it's not fine dining, it's it's fine dining, right? Honestly, it's it's anywhere that has a chain. Usually, I like at least 10 locations. Usually, I like them to be in at least more than one state, but I'm starting to do some more regional things. But, I mean, we all know what mediocrity is. You go to a place and you're like, I suspect my food was microwaved, or at least part of this meal was microwaved. Like, that's... That's mediocre. In recognizing and being self-aware of this level of objectivity, I I feel like I just wanted something unique. And my voice kind of came around through uh, influences of things like the show Community doing a lot of like genre parodies and stuff like that. Like I'm super into that. If you listen to the Fine Dining podcast, I often do segments where... Uh, there's almost like audio drama skits in the middle of it. I did like my TGI Fridays episode. I did TGI Friday the 13th and did like a big 
Jason parody thing that kind of ran throughout the whole show. So I love the idea of mixing a food review with creative elements and being able to, you know, kind of do what you're doing. You're, you're reviewing fictional restaurants. You're, you're, you're mixing the creative with the real, with something relatable uh, to kind of create this hybrid. And I, I feel like my voice is very much in that same vein. So here's a question. Then these are just miscellaneous. What's a film that you love that everyone else hates? And what I mean by everyone else, I mean like the zeitgeist. Like you go on Rotten Tomatoes and it has like lower than 10%. But in your eyes, no, no, this is 100%. This should have been best picture winner. Oh, man, that's so tough because I I have such a level of I can see what's bad about things that people don't like and I like them regardless. So I would never champion them as this thing deserves awards. I like the movie Biodome with Pauly Shore and Stephen Baldwin. I think that movie uh, thematically works decently. The comedy is really dumb, but I enjoy it. But I also saw it for the first time when I was like nine and therefore things are just impactful on you at a young age and you can't really shake them. So I don't know. This isn't like my favorite or anything, but I feel like it's a good answer for this. Where every, and, and it's probably sub 10 on Rotten Tomatoes. The the fart joke is still awesome where Stephen Baldwin's character just smells the fart and I mean, dissects what he ate. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean that's still that's still gold. That's comedic gold right there. And the way his eyes roll back in his head because of how deep he's whiffing yeah. will always stick with me. Absolutely. Like I have a mental frame or I have a mental snapshot of that frame of that movie. Just like the curveball here. What is an unusual habit that you do or an absurd thing that you love? In addition to reviewing or finding the best fine, it was fine, dining. Most mediocre yeah. place. Um, I don't know, absurd? I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm really into Rubik's Cubes. I have a bunch of different Rubik's Cubes. Uh, my favorite... Uh, I, saw, I solved one that's like 12-sided and 5x5 five five in terms of its layering, and it took me two hours of just nonstop, you know, twisting and manipulation to solve the algorithm to do it like it wasn't me figuring it out i knew how to do it and even knowing the answer it took like two hours to make all the right actually no it was 47 minutes but it took 47 minutes to like make all the right twists and turns to solve this i think it's called a petaminx is the type of cube it is um though if it's 12-sided technically a dodecahedron uh and then my favorite one is the six by six by six rubik's cube just because the I don't know, just like the thinness of the little pieces. Just, it's very satisfying. The one I got rotates really well and I love it. And I used to solve it all the time. And then I got bored while staying at home during the pandemic and decided I was going to solve it in a way to where instead of being the same on every side, it had like a spiral pattern so that the colors all like oscillated throughout it. And it was like just a really cool artistic looking thing. And I can't bring myself to mess it up so i haven't touched it in like two years and it just sits on my shelf in that solved state of like the the cool like spiral thing you're dusting it at least right you're you're dusting it off yeah 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 you're clean yeah yeah, for sure for sure perfect i love it (laughs) um 
going a little deeper, a little Oprah, Oprah style here. Great. All right. So if you had a choice of getting advice from your 18-year-old self or your 90-year-old self, and remember, your 90-year-old self is lucid, healthy, like, you know, w- with it. With my diet, there's no way. There's no chance. But okay, I'll I'll, I'll concede. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But yeah. anyway, who would you rather get advice from, your 18-year-old self or your 90-year-old self? 90, for sure. My 18-year-old self didn't know anything. He'd look at me and he'd be like, really? A T-Rex jacket? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> I'd be like... I don't know, man. Calm down. Sorry to let you. Sorry to let you down. Sorry to disappoint. Ninety-year-old me could tell me all the things to like look out for, like you know the great water wars of the twenty forties, and like you know who's gonna like bring down America and like all that stuff. I want to know those juicy bits, and I'm just hoping that my ninety-year-old self isn't like David Lynch, where he refuses to answer questions about specifics because I just want the spoilers. And it is not unlikely because my favorite director is David Lynch, so it is very possible that he does that to me what is your what advice is your 90 year old self giving you stop eating the way you're eating <laughs> like leave chilies alone like you don't have to do it you don't need to order things with words like explosion in the name like it's not good for your health you're slowly killing yourself something along those lines maybe that's my guess and what advice is your 90-year-old self telling you to ignore? Uh, he's probably just being like, F the haters and like rollerblading around all nonchalant. I don't know, man. Anyone who tells you not to pursue something, I feel, is advice worth ignoring if you're passionate about that thing. But there's also a difference between someone like with your best interests at heart versus someone who's just kind of like, eh, that's too hard. So I don't know. I'm a big believer in just kind of chase what you're trying to do. Be passionate. So if someone's trying to bring that down, ignore it. Michael, what question are we not asking you? <laughs> uh, ask me about my Olive Garden musical. Michael, so <laughs> tell us about your Olive Garden musical. Oh my gosh, I never thought you'd ask. So for fine dining, I was so inspired by my one night at Olive Garden, which is only the second time I had ever been in an Olive Garden, uh, that we made a musical about it. Uh, seven original songs, worked with five different composers. One of my favorite rappers guest starred on a track, got some vocalists that are much better than me. And then I and my uh, former co-host also contributed our vocals, which we're not singers. We're not awful, but we're not singers. Uh, and it's, uh, one of my favorite episodes of the podcast for sure. So if you've ever gone to an Olive Garden and felt like singing about it, there, it exists. There's an episode out there for it. That's awesome. And obviously we will give you shout outs in our own post uh, production, but this is the time where you can either talk to me, talk to the camera and yeah, the shout outs are yours. Talk about the fine dining, fine dining podcast, <laughs> Uh, and all the other amazing things you want to tell the audience. Yeah. Uh, check out Fine Dining, the search for the most mediocre restaurant in America. Go into literally as many restaurants as I can find that are chains. I am kind of traveling for it. I've been to Chicago. I've been to Boston. I've been to Austin. I'm going to Hawaii later this year. So, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get a full... Uh, 
I'm trying to get a full plate of all of these places to figure out which one is the most mediocre, doing the hard work that uh, no one else is willing to do. Figure out which one is the most mediocre so we all have that measuring stick. Uh, you can follow on Instagram and TikTok at Fine Dining Podcast, but really just go check out the show. Leave it a review on Apple Podcasts. Have a ton of fun with it. Different guest host every week. And uh, you're going to be on it. We're going to go to Hot Dog on a Stick. Michael, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It was a joy to have you on the Restaurant Fiction Podcast. And it was even a greater honor to be a part of your podcast. Please check out his podcast, especially the Restaurant Fiction episode of fine dining podcast the search for america's most mediocre restaurant where michael and i we legitimately go to the og i believe it was actually renovated over the years or demolished and then rebuilt but still the og hot dog on a stick and we review it right from santa monica or is it Venice? It's right on between. It's between on the border of Santa Monica and Venice. It was a delight. Well, was it a delight? I guess you're just going to have to tune in to Fine Dining Podcast, the search for America's most mediocre restaurant. And if you love, love, love our hot dog on a stick episode, well... Michael and his Fine Dining Podcast are all over the internets, the web of things. He's on the Instagram. Of course, go to his website, Fine Dining Podcast, and it is all there. He would love to hear from you. He would love to just engage because, you know, us foodies, us collaborative creatives... We love to hear from you. Anyway, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to hear more of all things restaurant fiction, you found us on YouTube. We're also on the Spotify and wherever you listen to your podcasts or watch your podcast shows. My name is Monis Rose. And as always, keep it real, keep it fresh, and keep it on the flip side. Fade Interior. Interior. Restaurant?